on to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson, and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside. How's we been, mate? Yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, busy, as usual. I always say the same thing, no, busy <laughs> driving about up and down the motorways of the country. But yeah, looking forward to Saturday. I've got Friday off as well. Oh. Uh, booked Friday off to go to Catalan and... I decided to keep the holiday because uh, my wife's going out for a, a day with a friend. So uh, I've got the school run to do and then I've got a day to myself to chill out. <laughs> All good. Looking forward to Saturday as well. I know Imogen's really excited. Got our tickets the other day. My dad's away. My dad's on holiday in Cos right. with uh, right. my sister and my mum so, and, and little and so. He's not back till Saturday night so he, he'll miss the game. He's, he's gutted but uh, hopefully he can go to the next one. But yeah, I'm doing alright mate. How's yourself? Yeah, I went to Cos once, uh, Paul. Party animal. All that. Before they had kids, yeah. it was good. It was a good one. Your dad will be doing that, but is he a bit of a party? I know, Dad. Yeah, I've spoken to him a few times. He wanted to know how the rugby was going and what have you, and he likes to find everything out, tell him everything, what's going on and what have you. But I'm just letting him relax, really. He's, he's just in the pool all day with me. My sister's little girl's three now, so she just wants to swim all day long. So I think he's shattered from that. But no, he's having a good time. He's having a good time. He'll be finding one of them cafe bars to put the game on for him. That'll be his first plan. Well, he said to me today when I spoke to him, he, he watched some of, I think Halifax and Witness were on Monday night on Premier Sports, so he's, he's seen a bit, he found a, a cafe that had that on the other night, so he's doing that. He's like me, he likes a brew as well, he likes to go to him for a coffee and that, mm. so he's doing all right. Yeah. What have I been up to this week? I have just been working, nothing exciting, got the day off tomorrow, going to try and sort my garden out tomorrow, weather permitting, so my dad's going to come round and we're going to be shifting a load of stuff to the tip. So, uh, ideal pre-match activity. Go and nip to the ground, get me ticket. Um, have you got your ticket? Yeah, I, uh, I ordered them online on uh, Sunday night or Saturday night and Ellen kindly picked them up for me the other day. She had a day off the other day because my eldest started um, high school, so she had a day off to, you know, just to see how she got out of school, all right, and what have you. And then she kindly bobbed down to Salford and picked the tickets up, so we've got our tickets. I believe they sold a lot as well. I believe there's a lot of people there queuing up and... The excitement's gone through the roof this week, hasn't it? So it is really exciting. I can't, I can't wait for Saturday. One o'clock kickoff as well. It's going to be good. Yeah, it is. Like I say, that's what sort of uh, playoff rugby is all about, isn't it? It's uh, people get excited, don't they? You know, the whole hopefully city turn up and uh, we'll take a decent following to to Huddersfield. Yeah, definitely. That's that's what rugby league's all about. These, these games make it worthwhile, don't they? I mean, there's a lot of dead rubber games at the end of the season. We've been involved in loads of them, haven't we, over the years? But now you're these are what you want to be involved in out of these sort of matches. And you, you whisper it quietly, but you're two games away from a, a grand final, aren't you? Three games away from being league champions for the first time in 40, 46 years. So it's a bit weird, really, if you think it like that. But obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a big mission. You've got a big away game this Saturday. Yeah, so what we'll do, we'll obviously look back at the the, the, the final home game of the season against Warrington. Uh, we'll look back at the ladies' uh, win uh, with Yasmin Sutton. They beat Alton at weekend, and then we'll preview their game uh, against Ninley. And we'll call the big news coming out of the club. Uh, we'll have a look at what's going on in the World Rugby League, Whitesides World Rugby League, and then we'll do the big games on Saturday and Sunday for the Sulphur Devils. So we'll start with the defeat against Warrington. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your Big Match Review. So, Salford were defeated in their final home game of the season against Warrington Wolves, who went down 14 points to 32. Paul, 
it was an experimental side. Six debutants came in from the reserves and very well must have been proud of their efforts. Yeah, I thought they did great. I mean, when I saw the, the team sheet, uh, we had like Akawala playing in the, the centre, Harvey Levitt and Morgan S. Gray in the half, but there was a few players out of position there and obviously the, the lads from reserves coming in. I thought, blimey, you know, looked at Warrington's team. I know they rested a few, but they had some, you know, Clark was in there, George Williams was in there and Matautier and one or two others. So I thought they had quite a strong side out. So I thought we might be in for a bit of a big score. But, you know, as the game progressed, I thought we played really well. And for patches there, I think we were the better side, really. We had a couple of tries disallowed as well. And things didn't quite go our way. But I thought we gave Warrington more than a game and I think the scoreline flattered them really I know they got that late try from an interception but there wasn't a lot in that game at all and credit the defence young players there heads could have dropped they could have let plenty of points but they didn't those six lads who, who made the debuts they looked like they've been playing for years they, they really did look assured and calm and they did everything right Jack Stevens, come on he's only a youngster as well I thought he did really well so and then the, the lad Miles Dalton Harrop he, he got the ball there and just went for that line you know what, what a great Thing to do on your debut score a great try yeah fairy tale stuff obviously you've you've gone through the, the whole process and obviously you get that opportunity and obviously to dive over the line like that it's dream mm. true stuff really but but for the whole you know the whole the, the, the lads you know josh rock joseph Kruplin, franklin miles dotland howard jack stevens daniel spencer tonks and henry davis i thought they were very good i thought it's it's an opportunity club and, and that is what the, the red thread is all about i know uh, paul trainer and Chris Irwin are involved in that and it's about bringing them, them lads through and obviously Paul Rowley when we spoke to Stuart Wilkinson a few weeks back he says that Paul Rowley goes to every game and, and he sees them play and he knows where they are in their development so it's great that obviously they've got this opportunity they're only going to get better aren't they you know with this experience and uh, we might see him again in 12-18 months time you never know Yeah well that's got to be the plan those lads have got to be pushing to get into the first team haven't they and I'm, I'm sure all six of them could do they keep working I think that's the thing now you've got to keep working hard and take what you can from that game because that experience is going to be vital but as I said before they didn't look out of place to me they they looked like they, they belonged in the Super League playing there and outplayed Warrington for large spells I mean you look at the team they had there and they kept players quiet you know George Williams I think he got man of match in one of the, the, the newspapers but you didn't really see him in that game, they, they did keep him quiet. I mean, they had one or two young lads out as well. The young Stromath, whose name escapes me, for, uh, for Warrington. Hey, Leon Hayes, yeah, I thought he reminded me of a, a young Luke Robinson. He was really busy around the rook. And, you know, Warrington have got some, some quality there. But it was a good game. I enjoyed the match. It was nice to be able to, you know, not, not sort of worry about the scoreline. Because you did sort of worry because you have one ear on what was going on in the Leeds and Cass game, didn't we, as well, to see what was going on there. But, you know, we, we knew we were already in the playoffs. It was just a case of where we finished. So it was nice to go to a game and enjoy it and not sort of be panicking every five minutes about the score. And, and it was good to see. It was, it, was, it was a proud moment. It was great to see Logan Tompkins come out as well before the game. You know, he gave great service to Salford and that was nice to see him come back. So I enjoyed the day. It was good. Yeah, obviously opportunity for players who have come back from injury or, or not played for a, for a while. Amir Burra, he got a very good period of the game, I thought. And that's what it's about. I suppose Greenwood, James Greenwood coming back as well from injury. These extra bodies coming back for Paul Rowley adds selection headaches to, to an already strong squad moving forward. Yeah, well, I think the King Runiaiwa coming back and Shane Wright coming back against Cass as well. I think those two... We seem to be getting players back at the right time of the season. I mean, we struggle for injuries throughout the season in the forwards, but whereas other teams now, 
are picking up knocks. I think St. Helens have picked knocks up. We're going to pick knocks up. We're getting players back. You know, touch wood. We've not lost anybody, I don't think, for this week. I'm not too sure yet. I know Ryan Briley was struggling after the cast game, wasn't he? You know, injections and things like that. Hopefully, we're going to be healthy. And that them couple of weeks off has, has done the players the world of good. Great to see James Greenwood back as well. I mean, uh, he needs to be careful he plays against Huddersfield because uh, he got sent off last time. He was the, the, wrong, the wrong man, wasn't he? He got sent off. And he scored as well. And... He scored a lot of tries for Sol, but he's played very minimal games. But when he does play, he seems to pop up with a try. It was a, it was a good performance. Yep. Yeah. I spoke to Sam Luckley after the game. This is what he had to say. So I'm joined by Sam Luckley. Defeat today, but you've got to be proud of the, the young lads that have come in and put a shift in. Yeah, we want to win, but the feeling in the change room was, you know, it was a happy one. We weren't depressed or anything like that. I think the thing that the boys put in with the squad that we put out with a load of debutants and that, uh, I couldn't be proud of the boys. They put, a, they put a right shift in. They had a good dig, and we come away happy. I guess, yeah. Yeah, we've had a good season. Obviously, you know, finishing the playoffs. Your dream try at St James's Park. I mean, talk us through the season for yourself. You know, did you achieve what you wanted to? Well, it's not so over. Far. It's not over yet. Yeah, it's <laughs> not over yet. But yeah, I've. I've Personally, I've got more game time. I've played a bit more consistently and stuff. And with that comes the, you know, the good, the try. Obviously, my dream try and yeah. all the sort of stuff like that. So off the back, you know, constantly playing and and working on those things with roles that he's bringing out in my game comes all the flash stuff at the end. They know nice tries and the push on the inside to get through and stuff like that. So uh, on a personal note, it's been a great year. I've loved every minute of it so far. But final push, final yeah. push. Huddersfield next week on a Saturday. Massive following expected. What an occasion it's going to be. Yeah, where atmosphere is building already, isn't it? Really, that where we're walking on the stadium and everyone was saying we've we've had a few good battles this year, us and Huddersfield, and you know they know what we're going to bring them, and we know you know what what's going to happen really. So we need to prep well this week and just have have a good have a good dig, one last push, and uh, hopefully we can do them. Didn't come this far to go this far, did we? No, absolutely not that. <laughs> Brilliant, Sam. Cheers. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Cheers, yeah, mate. Well, so that was Sam luckily talking to me after the game, Paul, and obviously he was sort of very happy with the, the lads that have come in and, you know, made the debuts, but he also had that focus that you know, the next game is really important. Yeah, he's a brilliant lad, Sam. I think he's probably been on the podcast more than anybody this season, hasn't he? He's always <laughs> up for a chat. And to watch him, him develop the way he has done over the last two years, I think he's becoming a, a real part of the team now. He's probably one of the first names on the team sheet. He's so reliable now in the forwards. He's got a really good offload game. His progression has been outstanding. And it just shows you, you can bring players in from League One and they can step up to Super League. I think he's been he's been a great find for us, along with some other players who've stepped up as well. That's a Dion Cross. Alex Gerrard's come in. They've come in from lower leagues and they've done really well for us. So, yes, yeah, Sam's he's got his head screwed on and he knows that there's big things to come now. There's a big week ahead. And you know I'm sure he's focusing on that with his, his flatmate, Shane Wright. Yeah, obviously they're too limited together. It's a, you know a nice little sort of partnership they've got going there, both on the field and and uh, in the house, I presume. Yeah, I think they've got a bit of a bromance them too, haven't they? <laughs> but two good lads, Shane Wright's another one. Like I said before, I think he, he's come back at the right time of the season. If you watch his performance against Cass, he's a worker, a real worker and an experienced forward as well. And you're going to need that against Huddersfield this week. And they've got some experience in that pack, like Chris Hill and Chris McQueen. They've got years behind them. So, uh, so Shane Wright's a pivotal player for us. Yeah, King Bunny Ayawa went off with a bit of a shoulder knock, a bit of a worry, but I think Paul Rowley just said it was a bang, so that's nothing to worry about, which kind of justifies the decision to rotate his squad. Because obviously, nobody injured apart from maybe Kingy. 
Yeah, and, and, and King's another good guy that's come back as well. So I remember having a chat with him a couple of months ago, and I don't think I put the, the interview out as a. Um, I don't think I sent it to you because it was really sad because he spoke and he was really down about how things were and saying how he'd love playing for the club but he was really disappointed that he was injured and sort of said to him oh good luck I hope to see you before the end of the season and he had a big smile he sort of winked at me at the weekend and glad to see him back because he's, he's a really good lad really sort of quietly spoken lad but I think his performance at the cast every time he runs the ball and he's running hard running to burst and uh, he's, he's he could be a massive weapon for us in the playoffs yeah, obviously, our full pack isn't that it isn't massive, but he is the biggest of the lot, and like you say, he makes big makes big meters. He's quite mobile, I think, as well for it for a big fold, which it's sort yeah. of play uh, the Paul Rowley way because obviously that's what it's all about. It's about moving the ball, and if you can't get sort of hankered down with a, having a massive forward, it wouldn't quite work. So him being quite mobile and be able to big meters uh, works out really well. So talking about Paul Rowley, here he is after the game. <laughs> Coach's corner. Opportunity clubs gives opportunity. Paul, 16 weeks today. You know, still firm ensures our pathway is live and kicking. Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, again, I pay tribute to the people who've come to the club last year. My job last year was at Pathways and stuff, so really particularly proud to see today happen because it's it's come from a lot of hard work from people like Chris Irwin, Stu Wilkinson, John Field, and, and obviously the players themselves have, have been fantastic and I think we, when we bring ask people to come to this club and join in the pathways, we obviously, like everybody does, you sell a dream. But when it comes to fruition and it's a realistic one, then you know it helps us. It helps with the sell next year because there's a genuine pathway. It's not just words. It's not just a fancy tracksuit. It's uh, it's something tangible and something that is achievable. Did you have been out of what you wanted to get? Out? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, despite despite defeat. Celebratory mood in, in the stands and on the field as well. We had a great season. Um, you know, yeah. We weren't celebrating, but we, we were recognising positives, and, and that's the important thing. So, yeah, they're proud and content with the performance of all the individuals. So, and then as a collective, as a team, I thought they, they came together. And we we're obviously going to be a little bit clunky and disjointed because of all the different people in different positions, unfamiliar positions. But the, there's one thing that really you can never put a measure on it, don't matter where you play, you can still apply yourself with energy and character and I thought they did that. Yeah, what is field next week? That's the game opportunity to shake up rugby league. Um yeah, we go again, we're the underdogs again. So it is what it is. It's no different to us. We're used to we're used to this journey because we've been that from every from day one. So we'll we'll go into this next phase now up to the, the top six. Uh, there's jeopardy and there's reward and uh, but whatever it is, we're still the underdogs so uh, I don't think we quite get to free it because the pressure we get is from within and from ourselves. So um, we'll go there uh, with a lot of confidence, uh, with the utmost respect for our opposition um, and, and see see where it brings us. Cheers, Bob. Cheers. So that's Paul Rowley after the game, obviously talking about the, the, the players that had played and that that they'd played well and, and experienced that first team environment, uh, but he was looking forward to this week. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. It's that time of year now, isn't it? I mean, he was up in the air whether he was going to get Catalan away and Huddersfield, or Huddersfield away. To be honest with you, I don't think Paul Rowley really had a preference. I think once you're in the playoffs, you, you go for whoever you get, don't you? So, obviously, some of the supporters might be saving a few bob going to, to Huddersfield. But I think if you'd ask the players, I don't know. I think you just want to play now, don't you? And play the best. 
Um, and yeah, it, it's just this week. I mean, I know we'll speak about it in a preview, but there's a lot on this game. There's there's the ex players, the, quite a few ex players at Uddersfield. You've got Ian Watson as well. You know the games we played against them this season have been pretty intense, and it, you know one o'clock fixture. You know, big following down there at the weekend. You can't ask for more than that. It's fever pitch and it's dead exciting. Yeah, uh, looking at the stats, uh, Daniel Spencer Tonks with 27 tackles, Henry Davis with 24 tackles, Ryan Lannan with 31, and Sam Luckily with 21. Henry Davis impressed me. I think he's a good he's a good forward, worked hard, uh, and the tackles uh, tackle stats show that. Yeah, he's a no nonsense forward. He came off the bench, didn't he, and worked his socks off there. His, his stats will tell you that there. You know, for a, on your debut, you know, you could be pretty nervous, but they all got stuck in. But you know, Henry in particular, he got really stuck in there, and uh, you know, it impressed me. And I just hope now that these lads continue to progress and, and we see them developing and see them in the first team because if we do, I think that's a massive hats off to the club and everybody involved in, in, in sort of developing a pathway. You know, we've had people say to us before, oh, you've got no academy, you don't produce any players, but you know, it's there for all to see now, you know, those, those lads coming through. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting times. Yeah, Paul Rowley talks about, you know, the, the people behind the scenes who've got these lads Super League ready and, and he was full of praise for them. And, and that is what we are as a club. We're an opportunity club, aren't we, Paul? You know, we give these lads who have, who have sort of not been picked up by the big clubs or want to play in Super League and are willing to travel 100 miles to get here, the opportunity to play possibly in Super League. And then these you know, six lads that have taken that opportunity and it's a message, I think, for potential players who want to come to our club in 2023. They'll look at the lads there who've gone through this journey and think, you know what, I can do that. Yeah, I think for any player that's thinking about signing for Solvent for 2023, probably a lot of players, all the players have agents nowadays, don't you think your agent would be saying, you know, Salford's a, a good club to go to because you get looked after there. The staff are really good. Like you said, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that you don't hear of that making the club tick. And and, and yeah, you, you can't argue with that. I think you'll get looked after you. Know, and like you said, you'll get the opportunity as well if, if you're good enough. So uh, so yeah, and you ask any of the first team players this season, they're all playing with a smile on their face. I, I don't think I've seen a team spirit like this one. I mean, we talk about 2019, but even, even then... I think the team spirit now is, is is absolutely remarkable, and everybody seems to be enjoying it. They've always got smiles on their faces, you know, win, lose, or draw. So, uh, so yeah, any sort of uh, Australian internationals that want to sign for Salford in twenty twenty three, I highly recommend it. So <laughs> there you go. You've been, uh, been watching Rowley Ball on is it Fox in Australia. I think I fancy that. And yeah, next thing you know, they stood at the stadium next to Ian Lee's with a shirt in their hand. <laughs> Well, well, you look at Brody Croft. I mean, I think we've, we've mentioned this on the podcast before, haven't we? That he sort of had a rough time in Australia, and yet he's come over to Salford now, and his reputation's gone through the roof. You know, there's there's, there's people mentioning on on Twitter that such a club's interested, which you always get if a player's playing well at a rugby league club or a football club or a, or whatever club, they'll always be interesting good players from other clubs. That that's just you know the circle of, of sport, isn't it? So. Uh, so yeah, the circle of sport. There's a new one for you. But, um, <laughs> right, that but one yeah, down. circle of sport. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the circle of life, but I'm not saying that. But uh, but yeah, it's a great opportunity. I mean, Jack Stacey was another one, wasn't he? Who came over under a bit of a cloud, and we resurrected his career. And you know, not just Salford. He, he did a lot of that himself through hard work and endeavour. So uh, so yeah, I think Salford's an attractive place to come and play your rugby league. Yeah, top uh, meter makers, Daniel Spencer, Tonks, 83, Henry Davis, 83, Ryan Land, 92, Harvey Levet, 89, and uh, Reese Williams, 130. So, Daniel Spencer, Tonks, with 83, Ryan Land with 92. Uh, that's, a, that's a fair old shift from him. 
Yeah, Ryan Lannan's a, a bit of an unsung hero at the club, isn't he? He doesn't always get the rap and the the sort of adulation that other players get because he just gets on with it. You know, he's been at Salford a long time, hasn't he? Now, and I know he had that brief spell where he left and went to OKR, but he's a he's a reliable player, and I think he's improved this season. I think he's improved over the last couple of months. He, he's playing pretty well at the moment now and keeps himself fit. He he could be in the team. Reese Williams is another guy never lets us down when he plays and. I know, you know, Paul Rowley might have a bit of a selection edit this weekend. If Joe Burgess is fit, does he go with Reese Williams and Kenzie, or does he bring Joe back? I'm not too sure, but Reese will never let you down. He's, uh, you know, he's a real worker and pops up with a try as well. Yeah. Uh, big thanks for your three-word match reports and man of the matches. Nicholas Fletcher, good account given. Sam Lucklet, Ken Longworth, future looks good. Uh, Ronnie H, I enjoyed the rugby. Uh, Patrick. Connolly reserves did fine. Daniel Spencer Tonks. So yeah, obviously we'd already qualified for the playoffs, so it wasn't really about winning the game. It was more about watching them lads develop, which is what they did. So good result all round. Win-win for everyone. Yeah, and it was about getting through that game and minimal sort of disruption, really, and, and, and loads of injuries and things like that. You, you can't go into a game half out because you will get injured. But I think it was about managing that game and managing the squad because. You've got to do, I think. I mean, I'm not a big fan of what goes on sometimes. I mean, I think it was the, the night before uh, Catalans played Wigan and they more or less tossed the game and, and played a load of players who no one had ever heard of. I think they had a 40-point start on the coupon. They were 40 to 1 to win the game. So they're obviously not going to win the match. And I thought to myself, is it is it right? Is it right to do that? And I know Saints and Wigan seem to... Played weekend sides the week before, didn't they, in their two games when we was at Cass. And I thought, does it affect the integrity of the competition? Our, our teams try to pick where they go and who they want to play in the playoffs. I wasn't too sure, but I thought, regards Salford, I think we had to do because our squad's small. We've got players who are, who are probably playing like Ryan Briley with pain-killing injections. They're struggling. Is another week going to finish them off and burn them out? Because what we don't want is to, to play a, a full-strength side against Warrington and then be too tired and shattered for the playoff game against Huddersfield. So I think we've had to manage it right. Whether other teams have done it right, because they've got the resources to, to I don't know. But um, it, it's tough. It's a long season, isn't it? And I think you've got to manage that squad best you can. We earned the right to do what we want in that situation, where if we were going for that last game, we needed a win. I'm sure Paul Rowley would have played a different team altogether. So us finishing, well, being fifth at that point, we, we earned the right to, to do what we want. And if I think Paul Rowley said in one of his press conferences that we were near the red line, which means I think his players are you know, on the verge of breaking down. So if he thinks a week off for certain players will benefit them in the, in the run-up to a, a, a semi-final final, then he's the coach. He, he does what he wants. And obviously, we beat Huddersfield on Saturday. His decision is, is, is right, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the way the game's geared up now, Rob, isn't it? I mean, you gear up all season to, for the playoffs. And then when the playoffs come, you've got to be right, you've got to be fit, you've got to be healthy to, to kick on into that playoffs. And the teams that are will do well. The teams that are wailing and, you know, running out of steam are the ones that will drop out and, and get beat. It's all right finishing top two or three. You know, Wigan, say they pick a few injuries up. Or I think St. Helens have hit a lot of patchy form recently. I think the last sort of six weeks, they've gone off the boil a bit, haven't they? They've lost a few games. I mean, they weren't very convinced at the weekend against, against Toulouse. They always seem to come good in the playoffs. But, are they going to do this time? Are they just going to run out a bit of steam? Have they got a few injuries? Nobody knows yet. We'll have to wait and see. But no, I think Paul Rowley was, was absolutely bang on. We are doing the right to to do that. To, and, and you've not rested people, really. Those players are, are 
assaulted players. So, so yeah, no, I think he did the right thing and uh, let's hope it's worked for this week. Yep. Our ladies were in action against Alton on the, 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 the community pitch before the game. And I spoke to Yaz Parton in Sotomayor about their win. And this is what she had to say. Yep, so we're joined by Salford Red Devils ladies star Yasmin Parton Sotomayor. Welcome to the show, Yaz. Looking forward to this. Definitely so, yep. Brilliant. Obviously, let's talk about the victory on Saturday. You faced Alton and won 20 points to 10. Great results for you, ladies. Definitely. Big win. Really good vibes in the run up, really good vibes after, and still now. Yeah, you faced Alton before away from home and they they beat us. But obviously, you know, coming back to the AJ Bell, what's that talked about in the in the build-up to the game? Yeah, well, it was discussed kind of between the girls. We talked about it between us. I think we've spoken to a couple of people at the club, um, but we didn't let kind of let it get to us. We're a better team now than we were when we played them back then. So mm. we're all uh, raring to go. Yeah. Obviously, we had a few injuries back then, didn't we? So, obviously, with a, a, a really kind of full-strength team, it was really two teams playing some good rugby, number one and number two in the league. It really was a, a real good game. Very good game, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some big hits. Mm. And then, I suppose, that's your game. You love a bit of that, don't you? I do. I love a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I suppose that's that's a, that's probably one of your one of your assets, isn't it? You obviously being in in the forwards, putting the big hits in, and obviously sort of making the big meters as well. We we, we talk about our forward pack being uh, really strong, and, and you know it's it's kind of shown throughout the season. Uh, not just yourself, you know. There's you know lots of uh, different players. Casey Naylor for for them, um, players who who can make big meters uh, in in traffic. Yeah. Definitely. And I think we've kind of grown in confidence, grown in a bit of aggression throughout the season and just kind of got more and more metres, bigger and bigger hits. Yeah. And obviously a big crowd as well at the AJ Bells. Great to play in front of all them fans, obviously, before the game. Huge crowd. I think I turned around to Demi at one point and said, oh, look how many people are watching us. <laughs> does, it, does it make you nervous playing in front of lots of people? Uh, I don't think I realised until about 10, 15 minutes towards the end of the game. So... You kind of just in the zone, aren't you? You're just on the pitch, not really paying attention. Hmm. And that's, I suppose, that's a, a thing you've got to kind of get used to. Obviously, playing in bigger stadiums, bigger crowds, because obviously, the, the the bigger the women's game grows, the more people will watch and the more crowd you'll you'll get. Definitely, but I'm sure. Well, hopefully, when we're played at the AJ Bell, things like that, they'll become a bit of an 18th man for us. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Obviously, lots of lots of fans talking about your journey, and you know when you when you look back at what sort of what you've sort of achieved, it's been been amazing this year. Yeah, don't think any of us ever expected it at the start of the season. I know I certainly didn't. Hmm. But to have the backing of the fans, backing of the club, you guys, yeah, it definitely pushed us on a bit more than we expected. Yeah, obviously, let's let's talk about about the win against Alton. Very physical game. They scored first. We hit back with a try from from Kate Gary, a lovely assist from Vicky Kinney, put her in over to put us in front. Yeah, good try from Gary actually, just straight through down the wing. Mm. Not really sure what happened before that, but I think I was already a little bit gassed by that point. It was really intense through the middle. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I suppose, obviously, being it being like the forward pack, um, you build the platform, don't you, for the likes of of Kate Garrett to, to go and score the tries, and it's it's a really a team effort in it in the in the, in this situation. 
It is, yeah, yeah. Make the meter through the middle, shift it out wide, and then uh, let the let the let the pace do the damage. That that's the that's the plan. The next try was from Lauren Ellison trying the corner for her. She's a, a real firecracker of a winger, pace to burn, uh, and goes over in the corner for the score. Yeah, I think that came from a set play. So a uh, set play that went well. And you can always count on Lauren to put it down over the line. Obviously, we, we talk about sort of rally ball a lot for the men's team. Uh, Chris Bates have got you playing some fantastic rugby. Definitely. He describes it as a, an expansive brand of rugby. Is it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will call it baseball, I think. <laughs> so we're in front. What, what was going through your mind at that point? Uh, I think at that point, they were very much still in the game. Hmm. We knew who we had to cut out of the game, but they were definitely still very much in the game. So it was all to play for. It was just carry on playing, kind of how we're playing, mm-hmm. make sure we're, we're completing our sets, making meters through the middle. Um, and yeah, solid in defence. And squeeze and, and punish any mistakes that, that they make. Next all for try was from Kaylee Bradshaw to make it 14-6. Uh, unsung hero for me, Kaylee Bradshaw. Works hard, well-deserved that try. Definitely. That came from a play on the other side of the pitch. So I think, again, baseball, uh, being able to make a play on one side and shift it all the way to the other side. Uh, it was a bit of a thank God moment. And I think we'd, uh, we'd knew that we'd nearly won it. Mm. And then the last try, Casey Naylor, uh, burrowing away over from, from, from close range. I think she did it earlier in the season. I think she did it against Swinton. And I think she did it against, might have been Stanley or Illingworth going kind of short side and going over. Destructive runner from close range. No one's going to stop from there. Yeah. Casey Classic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we'd all lost it at that point on the sideline, definitely. A couple of minutes to go and we've just scored again. Yeah. I think uh, Lauren Ellison ran about 20 yards to jump on her. Yeah. I've seen the uh, I've seen <laughs> yeah. the video mass pile on. <laughs> but I say it's a great result, and obviously you know we, we talk about sort of the journey, and obviously beating Alton for, for me it would have been is a big thing. Obviously there I make it better, and going forward into this playoff competition that we're going to be going in the next couple of weeks, if we are to face them again, we know how to beat them. Yeah, definitely we know how to beat them. Kind of played them enough now. Know who their key players are. Know how they're going to play. But at the end of the day, if we play our own game of rugby, we play in attack how we play, in mm. defence solid, then I think we can beat anyone. Yeah. So obviously, let's talk about y- yourself now. How did you get into rugby league? Um, so I started playing rugby union when right. I was about 18. Union through and through. So didn't really watch rugby league, wasn't really a fan of rugby league. Uh, but I'd played down at Trafford with Vicky. Yeah, And then when trials came about, she sent me a message, see if I fancied a trial. Initially, I just came for a bit of fitness, brushed up on my skills, things like that. Things got a bit more serious. Uh, <laughs> right. Here I am. <laughs> Did, obviously, coming from the sort of rugby union background, was the sort of transition hard? for you a lot of people talk about rugby union being sort of a different sport and you know it's it, as a player did, did you find that tr- tr- sort of transition difficult going from a, a rugby union background into rugby league one personally as a rugby union forward I found it really hard mm. so as a second row in union you're thinking about your scrums you're thinking about your line outs and you're just thinking about constant contact kind of rooks things like that 
coming over to rugby league and you're involved in all sorts of plays, you're passing under pressure, the game's a lot faster. I'm not very fast. Don't know if you've ever noticed. Well, you say that. You say that. I've seen you. I think I've seen you like burst the middle. And I think to myself, you know, yeah, I suppose because you are a forward, you're not lightning, but you, you absorb defenders, don't you? And that, and that is what that is what you are, really. A lot yeah. of people, I, I, I think of you as like, like Big Seb. Destroyer down the middle, absorbs defenders, power. Yeah, uh, used to burst the middle quite quite a lot. And I always think to myself, you know, Yaz is is as that, you know. Uh, do, you do remind me of him a lot. I'll have to go and give him a what? Google him. Yeah, I'm not Google <laughs> yeah. him or YouTube him. Yeah, yeah. No, well, thank you, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm quite a big, big forward. Yeah. Um, and if I run hard enough, then yeah, I've drawn a fair few defenders in there. And obviously, playing rugby league, I think it suits your style of play because obviously you've got sort of ten yards to run into. Which when you run ten ten yards, you can go through the gears, can't you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, hate to say it, but I do think I'm a little bit better at rugby league than I yeah. am rugby union. Yeah. And yeah, and obviously in, in our off season, you plan to go back play rugby union or? Yeah, definitely. Like, to play now, you now you like playing a rugby league player. Possibly, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> What's Yasmin doing? <laughs> so, you know, after that, you got to Salford. You, you, you started training with with the ladies. Got to that first game. What was that like? So I actually didn't play in the first game against Swinton. Oh. So what was that like um, watching it? Did you were you injured or? No. So obviously, I work in rugby union as well. All oh, right. Um, so I was on an away day with work there. Ah. Uh, missed out on that. Don't think I actually played until we played against Wigan in that friendly. Yeah. Um, not a nervous person, but I was so nervous before that game. Right. Um, yeah. I suppose because you've never played the sport before, you, you and you're playing against Wigan as well, which is a, you know a, a big te- big team. So obviously, you, you play that game. You feel better after the game. You think to yourself, "Yeah, I'm made for this." Uh. Not really. I think I played second row and it was just so out of my comfort zone, so different mm. to what I know from Rugby Union. Just felt a little bit lost, right. to be honest. So when when did you start to think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable here? How many games down the line was that? It was probably two or three games later. I can't remember if it was the cup game against Featherstone Lions. Yeah, watch that one. Or Dewsbury Moor, it might have been. Mm. Um, playing in the middle, kind of just taking the big carries like I'm used to, tackling like I'm used to. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's that. And obviously, we, we've grown and grown into this top player that we see before us now. Definitely. I don't think training back in Eccles Sports Hall, I would have thought that I could be the player that I am now, to be honest. Yeah. So, obviously, we, we get to the, the, the cup final. What, what was that like? So, I don't think about the game. I think about things kind of one step at a time. Okay. So, on a game day, the first thing I think about is my breakfast. Okay. And what's that? And then I think it's normally bacon, hash brown and egg bagel with a little okay. bit of brown sauce. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then... I think about what I'm going to do in the changing rooms, putting my socks on, strapping mm. my ankle up, things like that. Um, and then once I got onto the pitch in the final, I just thought, let's just go and play rugby, hit people, run Bad. hard. That's it. But I didn't actually kind of clock that we we're in a final till I came off the pitch. I think I turned around to Helena and said, oh, we're in the final. Mm. <laughs> and I suppose 
sometimes that works in your favour because you're not thinking about it and overthinking it, are you, throughout the week or whatever. So I suppose that mentality helps in the build-up to a cup final and obviously helps you to express yourself on the field. And we obviously went to went and won, won the game, which was great. And what was that like after, after the game, obviously winning the cup? Incredible vibes. Sun was out. Uh, I think we had Tina Turner on, which is a favourite of ours. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, just buzzing. First season, first kind of cup win. Mm. Really exciting times. So we won the cup and we've obviously, we've gone on this journey now in the league, top of the table. Obviously, we've got one one game to go. Uh, win that, we could be champions. We could be. Standingly first. Yeah, I suppose... <laughs> Everyone, everyone says to me, we'll take every game as it comes, which is which is right, isn't it? Obviously, you can't overthink, you can't plan two, three, four games down the line because you might take the heart of the ball, which which, lets, uh, which lets Alton back in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So one game at a time, carry on playing the rugby that we're playing on our day, we'll be in that final mm. any day of the week. Let's just move that to one side, though, and let me get a bit excited about it. We get in the playoffs, we win the playoffs, we go to Super League. Have you, have you thought about that playing Super League would be? It'd be exciting, wouldn't mm. it? It'd be a nice step to take. I haven't thought a whole lot about it, to be honest. I'm mm. just kind of playing my rugby, turning up to training, training, playing my rugby again. Mm. And if I happen to be playing that rugby in the Super League, then that's a, a big achievement for myself and the team. So anyway, let's get focused back on the, the next game, which is what it's all about, keeping your mind f- focused on what's in front of us. Um, Stanley uh, away on Sunday. Big game. Obviously, like you say, it's could be potential crowning of champions. Yes, it could be. So again, as I've said many times, if we just play our rugby, the way we play our rugby, play baseball, you know, metres through the middle, shift mm. out wide genuinely think we should be okay against Stanley. Do we, obviously the experience of, of winning the cup against Oral, do you think that's going to help in the, in the next sort of game and the next couple of games after being in the playoffs and that? Um, I think we've learnt to play to an occasion or we've learnt to not let an occasion get to us, mm. certainly. I know that I turn up just to play rugby every day, whether it's to win a cup final or to kind of beat relegation. I'm still going to play the same rugby, the rugby that I'm taught to play, the rugby that I like to play. And I'd like to think that everyone else is kind of the same. Yeah, because everyone seems like they're in it together and that's the important thing. This massive team spirit that, that we've got sort of carried you ladies through and that's an important thing when it comes to the, sort of the big games at the end of the season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think we've made such a cute little kind of camaraderie, like a little family, uh, always socialising, always really excited to see each other. Definitely socialising a good part of it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's <laughs> nice to be able to kind of just have a chat, have a laugh with your teammates. Mm. And that's that's what it's all. It's about team spirit. And if you've got sort of players that are around you who can who can produce the magic, and everyone's working hard, it's only one way you're going to go, which is which is up. Exactly. <laughs> one team, one dream, as they oh, say. One team, one dream. Stronger. <gasps> there we go. Right, I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> one team, one dream. <laughs> um, so obviously, sort of off the field now. So, sort of, so what what do you do for, for for a living? So I'm a sport rehabilitator. Oh, a bit like Helen. No. Yeah, 
Yeah, met Helena at, at uni. Oh. Um, Were you the girl that Helena went playing rugby with? No. Oh. I I like to think I roped her into rugby. Oh. Roped her over to the dark side. Uh, talk me through that process. When did you meet Helena? Um, so I'd met her in first year. We'd okay. been in kind of the same classes, same lectures together. Yeah. Uh, nights out, as you do at uni, just created a little bit of a friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I'd started playing rugby at uni, started playing for the uni team, dragged her out, tried to drag her out on a couple of socials with the rugby team and then kind of talked her into it. I do think she was thinking of it anyway. Um, but yeah, like to think that I uh, pushed her into it. <laughs> Sound like you were like the, the party animal of the, of the group. Is that is that right? Uh, information I uh, shall not disclose. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> so obviously, you know, sports rehabilitation is really important. Obviously, you know, for for any sportsman or sports sort of woman to make sure that the, the body's sort of right is is a is a big thing. And obviously, you have that sort of skill to to make it happen. Yeah, definitely. I like to call us the unsung heroes of a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the work behind the scenes, put everyone back together, tape them up, kind of whatever whatever they need help with. Uh, yeah, and contributes again to the success of any team if you're doing it well, you're doing it effectively. Mm-hmm. And it's useful when you do smash someone, you just check they're all right and if I need to fix them. Definitely. I think I have done that a couple of times, actually, (laughs) kind of landed on someone's head and had to double check that they're all right. Okay, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's been, obviously, it's amazing talking to you, Yaz, and obviously, you know, we've got a couple of big games to go and, uh, you know, wish you all the luck in the world. Hopefully, uh, we'll be be celebrating a, a Super League spot in the next couple of weeks. Thank you very much. I hope so, too. So that was Yasmin Parton, Sotomayor, talking to me, Paul, about the ladies' victory against Alton. Great result. Obviously, now we're we're clear at the top. One more win, and we're crown champions. Yeah, it was a great result. Saw a bit of that game before I went into the ground, and a few people had said to me it's going to be a tough test for them. It's not going to be a win at a canter game because they've had a lot of blowout scores this season. And I think they had to find a different way to win that game, didn't they? You know, Alton would give them a, a tough game at, at their place, hadn't they? And, uh, probably one of the nearest challenges to, to Salford ladies. So, uh, so they, that was a good result for them. That and yeah, they're they're almost there now. Yeah, a big crowd as well on the pitches yeah. outside the AJ Bell. A lot of people, like you said, watching it probably for the first time, and you know, with the big with the biggest game of the season, it's only going to help sort of promote the the ladies' game. Yeah, definitely. It, it was. It was a, a good atmosphere as well in and around the ground. I thought they, there was over 5,000 at the at the match, which is a good crowd, that really, for us. I mean, some people might say it's not you know, a great crowd, but the crowds are slow, slowly creeping up, aren't they? And, and there, is, there, is, there is progression there. If we can carry on and, and maybe get to a grand final, who knows what we could get at the start of next season. But obviously, there's a lot to be done before before we talk about that. Yeah, don't, we can't count our chickens. We'll just put them no, in not ready to be. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not at all. Yeah, uh, the Salford Devils reserves did have a game against Settlers, but it was called off because Saints couldn't feel the side pole. But like you said before, these teams, the likes of Wigan and Saints, are possibly using the reserves as a makeshift team for the last couple of games of the season to rest, you know, players who are tired. So it's understandable why they couldn't find a team against us. Yeah, I found that a bit surprising, really, because I always thought they had a massive squad and the big reserves and a big academy and things like that. But obviously, yeah, it must have took its toll on them. And uh, and yet, don't forget, we had 
six of the reserve, of our reserves playing in um, for the first team, didn't we? So that had been a big hole out of our reserve team. So uh, perhaps the the week off will uh, will do them good. Yeah. So that's all the chat about the matches, and now we'll uh, see what's happening in the world of uh, Salford Rugby League. So we'll start with the, the news about the trains on Saturday, Paul. I think the rail replacement to Field, so people will have to find their own way to Uddersfield. Obviously hoping for a big crowd, like you said. Lots of tickets sold already, so hopefully a big following. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we started recording, before you mentioned British Rail, did you still go in British Rail? I thought British Rail got privatised years ago. I've not heard anybody say British Rail for years. There's been a lot of rail strikes recently, so that's. I mean, it's a, it's a good trip, isn't it? Going on trains, Woodersfield. It's it's nothing yeah. really. You jump on at Piccadilly, and you about three stops, and you're there, aren't you? But if you're really struggling, I know you can get the bus from Oldham, can't you? To to Woodersfield. I think you can get the bus from Oldham, but it's a long way. But you've got to get to Oldham first, haven't you? But if you're desperate, you'll do desperate things, won't you? So yeah. it's not that far to to get there, is it, Woodersfield? If you can blag a lift or, like I said, bus to Oldham and then. Out, out of uh, Oldham to to Huddersfield, so um, so yeah, but it's a shame about the trains because people that enjoy that, you know. To be honest with you, I, I think I'd have probably gone on the train if it had been uh, been available to me because I'm not far from Manchester to jump on it. So, and it saves you uh, driving and parking up. So it's a shame that. Yeah, I think the five coaches from the Dog and Partridge are going, which which is great. Mm. It's about big numbers in playoff rugby and you know we get a big following there. There's people talking about having more Sofa fans than Huddersfield fans, possibly, which is a bit. Well, why not? I mean, I think as a club and, and the supporters of the club, they deserve these days out. I mean, a lot of other clubs get these days out every season, don't they? And, and you know, we've had a lot of sort of hardship to put up with over the years, and probably not a lot of these enjoyable days out. So I just hope everybody embraces it on Saturday and really has a has a good time. You know, drink responsibly and have a have a good time and, and, and enjoy yourselves and, and cheer the lads on. And, if we can pack that away and out, I think it'll be really special there. And it's always a good atmosphere at Huddersfield. You know, their supporters get behind their team. I mean, I know they get a bit of stick for their crowds, but they've got some real loyal supporters as well. They're a bit like us, aren't they? I think, you know, if you follow Huddersfield or you follow Salford, you, you're not just a, a plastic supporter. You, you really love that club, don't you? And you follow them through thick and thin. So both sets of supporters will, will get behind them on, on the, uh, the weekend and it should be a cracking atmosphere, as long as they don't bang that cowbell too much. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, they love a gold cowbell, don't they? Huddersfield, but <laughs> bowls—that's that's their thing, in it. And I think they've embraced it as well, which is a, a thing. So obviously, we're not big fans of any kind of drums or cowbells, are we? Historically, but no, it might add something to the atmosphere. Yeah, I think it, it's a bit of a laugh in it, and uh, and yeah, like I said, they'll they'll get behind their team and. And, and we'll get behind ours, but I think it'll be a good atmosphere. We've played them, what, three times so far this season, and they've all been good atmospheres. I mean, we, we got well beat at Huddersfield, didn't we? But the, the game at Salford a few weeks ago was a cracker. I think that was on Channel 4 as well, wasn't it, in, in, in the boiling hot weather? So, uh, so yeah, it should should be good. You know, Paul Roy going up against Ian Watson, it's, uh, you know, it's a, a good battle between those two Matt, rugby league coaches as well, you know, two really good coaches. Yeah, talking about good rugby coaches, Paul Rowley has been nominated for Coach of the Year. Um, obviously, he's done a fine job, Salford, with, with Rowley Ball uh, in full flow. He could be any. I think he's, he could be a, you know, a real shoe-in for this award. Yeah, do you know what? I think Ian Watson should have got it a few years ago in 2019 when he was third and he didn't get it. I think they give it to St. Helens coach at the time, Christian Albrook. And you sort of think it'll probably go that way this time, won't it? They'll give it the league leaders and, and that. But without being disrespectful, 
I could probably put Coach St. Helens to finish top of the table because you've got because you've got like lots of resources there, haven't you? You've got some cracking players, you know, international players. Look at what Paul Rowley's done with the resources that he's got. I mean, to me, that's how the Man of Steel should be. The Man of Steel should go to the player that sort of has the most influence on his club. I mean, if you play at St. Helens, you've got great players around you. Hmm. Whereas like Brody Croft, for me, look what he's done at Salford. Tim Lafayette, another one. I think he's been outstanding for us. Um, but yeah, Paul Rowley, I think, has done a great job. I mean, you've only got to look at comments people made on social media about him when he first comes to the club. And they're not very nice, some of them, saying, oh, what have we got him for? And this, that and the other. And even at the start of the season, people were saying, he's rubbish, get rid of him. You know, such a player's rubbish and this, that and the other. And you know, we can't win this, we can't win that. And sometimes you've just got to be a bit patient, let him get on with the job, let him put the processes in place like Paul's done. Look at him now. Look at the rugby that they're playing. I can think of about... 10 games off the top of my head where we've absolutely blasted teams to pieces and teams that are good sides and there's not many sides in Super League who've done that this season mm. Talks about the journey a lot Paul Rowley and likes to kind of play it down and, and keep everyone mm. on at a sort of a mellow level yeah. which is good as a coach because obviously you need your players to be not getting too excited about the run they're on so I think it's been, I think it's been really good uh, for us obviously you came in we had visions of what he might produce but it was it was chalk and cheese, wasn't it? From from what he actually produced, so playing fantastic sort of rugby, throwing the ball about, and and that's what it is. I suppose it's it's probably one of the most entertaining Salford sides I've seen in my watching Salford life. Same with me. Yeah, I, I can't really think of a you know a more entertaining. We've had some good teams and some good wins over the years, but the consistency of this team now has has been pretty good. Every week I've been going to the games thinking I think this might be the week where it all goes. Pear shaped and it hasn't done so far. We, we've we've done really well, and we've not just beat teams by like a stuffy try or a drop goal or a penalty goal or something. We've we've, we've blasted teams out of the water, and when we look towards Huddersfield this week, and I think they played Wakefield last week, and with a penalty goal in Golden Point extra time, they've not been convincing. Whereas Salford have they took teams apart, got to Castleford and scored fifty points. And to me, that's why we should be confident about going to Huddersfield. You know, give them the respect they deserve, but. Let's not change the way we play. And I don't think Paul Rowley will do. I think we'll go and attack, go for a jugular and, and take him on. But just going back to Paul again, I think, yeah, he's a real humble person. I think he's very, very professional. I think he's great in front of the microphone, you know, when he's getting interviewed on Sky or BBC or wherever. Doesn't take himself too seriously. And he's a cool customer. He always says the right thing for me and, and takes the pressure off the players and takes the pressure off the club. I think he's done a great job so far. Yeah, it's we, not me, under Porrell. He likes to sort of spread the, the praise and, and it's more about his coaching sort of staff, and, you know, what they do as well as what he does. No, it's yeah. not all about me and what I do. And I suppose that's a sign of a coach. He, you know, he, he, he tells people that, that, you know, they're doing a great job and everyone lifts, don't they? Yeah, well, that's the sign of a good man manager as well. You know, if you can t- tell players, get players to believe that they're better than what they are, They'll end up being better than what they are. You keep telling a player he's great. I think you know some great football managers like Sir Cluffy and that and Alex Ferguson in the past. I think they've done that sort of thing. They've made players believe they be- they are better. And and when you, I think Alex Murphy, I was talking to my dad about this. He said to me, Alex Murphy used to do that when he coached in rugby league. He he sort of tell you you were brilliant, and players would run through a brick wall for him. And I think that's how he was so successful as a as, as a coach, a player coach when he was coaching. So I think Paul Rowley's doing a bit of that. He's instilling that belief into players and, and getting players to play the best rugby league of the career. You look at lots of Alex Gerrard, been around a while, 
played at Widnes, played at Lee. Now he's playing at Super League for Salford. He's playing out of his skin, and he looks like an international forward sometimes. And, you know, Callum Watkins, look how well Callum's played. So you, you've got to you know, thank Paul Rowley, Kurt Agatha, Danny, or the whole coaching setup for that. I think they've, they've given the players such a boost. Yeah, I think what it is, it's a system in it. I think you've convinced the players that his system works, and it yeah. does. If everyone plays that way, and, and obviously plays in that sort of, not say carefree, because we've had this, haven't we, about whether it's off the cuff or not. It's structured, but in a unstructured let's play way, if that makes sense. So the players, the players probably it. have to be convinced that was the way forward. And it is, show, you know, where we are in the playoffs now, you know, one of the top point scorers in, in the division, it shows his philosophy works. Yeah, and, you, and the players enjoy it. You can see the players enjoy playing that way. They can't wait to, to get hold of the ball. Um, you know, Brody Croft, give him the ball and he'll do something magic. I've noticed that the last sort of six, eight weeks. Every time we've got the ball, we look dangerous. We look like we're going to score. And I've never seen a Salford team like that before. We've been, you know, it's been seasons where you think, oh, we're a bit attacked shy. We've not scored enough points. And, and you know what I'm talking about. We've been to matches, but we're not scoring enough. We don't look dangerous. Mm. Who's going to provide the, you know, the, the chances for us? Now you've got that triangle of, of Croft, Briley and Sneed. And it's the magic triangle. That's the triangle that makes everything happen. They all seem to work together. And then you've got the likes of Gerard coming off the back of that, who likes to play a bit. You know, he likes an offload. Callum Watkins likes an offload. Tim Lafayette is so elusive. Dion Cross comes into play. So, if you're Ian Watson coaching us this weekend, you know, where's the threat going to come from? Mm. They, they don't know. And I think that's what's catching a lot of teams out. Yeah. Well, I think that's what it is. Obviously, there's threat everywhere. But you can only sort of plug the gap when you think it's going to happen. And obviously, Paul, the Paul Rowley way is is the way. And uh, Rowley Ball is in, is in full flow. Um, talking about players... Paul, Ken Seal, Brodie Croft and Tim Laffey were selected in the Dream Team for 2022. Um, it was great. Obviously, you know, these, these three players have been fantastic for us this season and uh, well worth that spot in the team. Yeah, I saw that and yeah, it's great. I think it's great adulation for the club. You know, we got Ken Seal in there last year, didn't we? And uh, we've had a few other players in there you know, over the last couple of years and you, when you think about it, when they first started doing them dream teams, we never got anywhere near it, did we? And it was just sort of the Wigan, St. Helens, Leeds and Warrington show, wasn't it? And Bradford Bulls when they were in there. So it's it's adulation to the club and congratulations to the club that we've got players playing so well. And, you know, three three in the team, I think, for, for us, on the budget we're on, I think you always made other clubs sit up and, and take note of us. And I think people start to take us serious now. Yeah. And um, obviously, Callum Watkins missed out which I think was was a bit of a shock. Uh, but maybe you can only have so many in the team. That might be a reason why he didn't make it. Yeah, you can't, you can't have all the solver players in, can you? I, mean, <laughs> I was yeah. saying to somebody uh, in the week, when you think about it now, the, the solver team picks itself. You can ream off the 1-13, to 13, can't you? Mm. You know, when they fit, who you'd pick. And you, you'd probably argue that those that top 1-13, to 13, those players would fit into any other Super League team. Or any other Super League team would take those thirteen players because they, you know, they're playing so well at the moment. And yeah, I think Callum's been been great for us, you know. Um, but there's, you know, there's some of the good players in that that team as well. But I definitely have Callum in the England squad. Uh, I really would, and I'd have a, a couple of other players in there as well. I'm not going to ream them all off, but I think there's you've got to pick players on form, and some of those Salford players are playing on real form at the moment. And let's hope they get the chance. Yeah, Brodie Croft also won the Albert Goldthorpe medal. Paul, you know, after a fantastic uh, season, uh, a worthy winner. 
Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that's picked by the Man of the Match awards in the League Express, that. Whoever writes the report every week gives 3-2-1, so you get three points, two points, or one point, and I buy the League Express, and I've been following it every week, and he's been sort of neck and neck, Sam Tompkins has been up there, and last few weeks, though, Brodie Croft has been getting consistent three points nearly every week, and that's what's took him away, I think, and he deserves it, so you're getting there, the the uh, sort of the writers of rugby league are voting for you there, and you're catching their eye when you're playing, and um, I think he deserves that, and it's another feather in the cap for the club. It is, it is, and obviously, opportunity club. Like we said before, Brody Croft was struggling in Australia, but now he's come. Oh, you're fine, right, Paul? You fell over. Turn it light on. Turn it dark. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, obviously, he came from he came from Australia where he was struggling, and obviously, he's come over here, lease a life, and now he's obviously top of the charts and the man of the match performances, and it shows. Obviously, if you're winning man of the match every week, it shows you you're you're a you're a, you're a good one. Yeah, and he's got that bit of star quality about him as well, Brody Croft, hasn't he? Uh, you know, he's got that bit of swagger, I think, and he's getting that back now, and, it, and teams are sitting up and taking notice, aren't they? And he, you're getting linked with other clubs and, and, and things like that. And that will always go on, won't it? As I said before, if a rugby league player's playing well, a footballer's playing well, there's always teams sniffing around. When you're not playing well, no one wants to know you, but at the moment, he's, he's hot property at the moment, and I'm glad he's playing for Salford. Yeah. There's a lot of other players who could have been in contention for that, likes of Callum Watkins as well. He's been he's been really good for you know in the last few weeks, and I'd say it's great that we're getting these players in this dream team and, and winning these these medals and, and possible coach of the year. It really puts Salford into orbit into the sort of the rugby league world that they know they exist, know we exist now, and teams who you know players who want to come to Salford will get the opportunity to shine. Yeah, and it gets people talking as well. It gets people on the street talking, people in the area talking because they see you're getting a bit more publicity. You're on the television, you're on Sky, you're on Channel 4, you're in the newspapers, you're on social media, all over that. You're getting mentioned in the right way for winning things and picking up these awards. So that's good for the for the club. And, you know, let's just hope the playoff journey can carry on now. And how far can we go in that? It's, it's important we're able to continue to grow because obviously as a club we, we've seen it this club kind of change haven't we in the last three to five years and you know we're actually like you say now we have this ecosystem we have the reserves we have the ladies side we have the learning disability side the physical disability side we've got a kind of ecosystem of a real proper rugby league club now which which is fantastic for the community because obviously they'll be able to feed into that all the amateur clubs will be able to get a link up with the club and it just becomes a, a really good place I think it's been an amazing journey that the club's gone in such a small space of time, really, uh, over the last few years. I mean, if you go back sort of four or five years, we didn't even know we were going to have a club. We were about changing the name. It was all panic. And we nearly went down in that million-pound game. And it was, we'd seemed to limp from one crisis to another, didn't we? Everything was negative all the time. When we used to do this podcast, I was always stressed out of me. I couldn't sleep because yeah. there's all sorts going on. And last few years, it just seems to have calmed right down. And you could ask Paul King, and he'd probably say, I'm talking rubbish. I'm just going to say everything runs smoothly. He'd probably say, Paul, it doesn't run smoothly. You're talking rubbish. We have to work really hard. But, you know, it, it does seem like a better atmosphere. Everyone at the club seems happy at the moment, don't they? And, you know, it seems like a there seems a buzz about the place. I've noticed that this season at the AGA Bell. There seems a real buzz. Um, you, everyone seems to have a smile on their face, whether it's the lady cleaning up or cleaning the change rooms. He says hi to us every week because I'm always in a way when she's brushing up, when she goes past that trolley, or somebody on the front desk, or the security people, the players, the coaches, everybody seems to be to, to be happy, don't they? And, uh, and that's a good thing. 
Yeah, back in them days, it was an hour of me counselling you from game to game. That's, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> So yeah, you know, fantastic. Obviously, great to see the club going in the right direction. Talking about great things that are happening. The Salford Devils Three Lions Week starts on the 26th of September. Monday, you'll have there's a ladies' open training session. On Tuesday, there is a the Learning Disability Rugby League Festival at Eccles College, and there's also a walking rugby league training session. On the Wednesday is a tag festival at the AJ Bell Stadium, and on the Thursday is a Year 7 Rugby Festival. So loads going on uh, that week. I'm sure there'll be people wanting to get down there to enjoy what's going on. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. And you know, with the, the World Cup coming up as well, it's uh, we're thinking the season's going to finish soon with the, with the Grand Finals. This playoff it's pretty quick, isn't it? It's only over three weeks, but mm. yeah, you've got a festival of a World Cup coming up as well, haven't you? With the ladies, the wheelchair, the men's, and yeah, it's going to be really, really exciting. That that sounded quality there, mate. Yeah. Uh, final bit of news on the 16th of September, the, the business network event at the AJ Bell. It's from 9am to 11am. Opportunity for all the, the people in the local area who have businesses to get together. And uh, network, because obviously at this club, it's not just about the people, it's about the business as well and how they sort of form relationships and hopefully are able to put money into the club to make the club stronger. So it's fantastic that they've got this kind of thing going on. I know the last couple have been very successful. We've seen them on Twitter. I think it's Joanne Hawkins who puts the pictures on Twitter about what's going on in the room. And it's great. I think it's really fantastic. It kind of shows where the club is, that they're able to host this kind of thing. And you've got businesses in the local area are willing to come and, and interact with the club and build relationships. So it's all about it's all about working together with the community, working together with the businesses, and then putting Salford on the map, isn't it? And yeah, things things seem to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, and it also helps when obviously you've got businesses who are obviously putting money into the club uh, when you're trying to attract better players or keep better players. And we spoke to I think it was George Harborn uh, earlier on in the season. He was uh, really gushing about you know how well they were doing and how you know m- the money they brought into the club have helped sort of it grow. So uh, things like this will will help that process, Paul. And uh, coming into the off season, it's supposed to, it's uh, a point where you know the money you've you've cl- you've brought into the the club. You can go out and uh, buy some players. Yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday about the, the player front. We've not really announced any signings ever for for twenty twenty three that I can think of. So uh, perhaps some will be on the horizon soon because I know a lot of clubs have announced who they're signing. Warrington signing this, that, and the other, aren't they? And Hull have signed a few players that we're going to have. So we've not really uh, announced anything yet. So uh, I think we do our business when the season's done, though, don't we? We work quite professionally, so that's something to look forward to. Yeah. So. Obviously, we, we did say we were going to have the results for our podcast player of the year. But what we're going to do, we're going to have that as a separate pop-up podcast. So it'll be interesting to see who the winners are. All, all I can say, a big thanks to all the people who have voted. It's been amazing. We've had record numbers. It'll be very interesting to, to tune in to see who wins all three awards. So that's all the news, Paul. And now we'll look what's going on in the world of rugby league with Whiteside's world of rugby league. Right, well, here is this week's Devil in the Detail World of Rugby League report. We'll start off this week with the National Conference Leagues. Rochdale Mayfield were in action on Saturday, 30 September. They were beaten at home to Thato Heath Crusaders by 38 points to 24. In a real uh, 
real sort of entertaining game that one so Mayfield continue to struggle there fourth from bottom uh, Thatohi Crusaders are fourth from top as the, the season comes to a close now uh, Saddleworth Rangers beat Milford in Division 1 by 44 points to 22 away from home and in Division 3 our promotion chasing Oldham teams Whitehead Warriors beat Bentley away from home by 44 points to 12 and uh, Oldham St Anne's they beat Eastmore Dragons at home by 42 points to 14 so the fixtures for this week just one involving our local sides and that's between Oldham St Anne's and Bentley that's Division 3 promotion semi-finals East Leeds finished top of Division 3 Waterhead Warriors are second with 36 points and then Oldham St Anne's have got 30 so uh, Waterhead Warriors will be in action next week and so good luck to Oldham St Anne's this week hope they can progress through to the next round of the playoffs let's move our attention now to the Northwest Men's League. Uh, there's, there's a bit of action last weekend. Not a lot, quite a lot of no results and uh, postponements and what have you. But in Division Two on Saturday, the 3rd of September, West Horton Lions 20, Salford City Roosters 12, Wigan Springview 44, Caddies Head Rhinos 16, and Division Four South and East Waterhead Warriors a 14, Higginshaw 42. The fixtures for this Saturday: Ascombe play Folly Lane in Division One, Hares Finch at home to Bury Broncos in Division One, Division Two, Salford City Roosters face West Bank Bears and Warmley Central at home to West Horton Lions in Division Four South and East Burton. Bridge play Higginshaw, Oldham St. Anne's A, Burtonwood Chargers, and Clockface Miners A are at home to Waterhead Warriors A. We're just looking at the Northwest Youth Leagues. There's no results to bring you from last week, and loads of teams were supposed to be in action. Um, but sorry, there's one. I've just got one that I can pick out for you. In the under 16s, Division 1, West Horton Lions beat Leeds 34 points to 12. The rest of them are all no results, post bonus, and, uh, and, and God knows what else. So the fixtures this week Sunday, the 11th of September, in. The under 18s, Division 1, Hindley are at home to Saddleworth Rangers. In the under 16s, Division 1, Rochdale Mayfield face Folly Lane. South Trafford Razor at home to West Horton Lions. In Division 2 of the under 16s, Thato Heath Crusaders face Waterhead Warriors and Dalton face Saddleworth Rangers. And there's one fixture in Division 3 of the under 16s, and that's Ulverston against Salford City Roosters. Well, let's do what we do every week. Travel 12,000 miles over to the NRL in Australia and have a look what was happening in round 25. Parramatta Eels, 22. Melbourne Storm, 14. Canterbury Bulldogs, 21. Manly Seagulls, 20. An absolute cracker of a game, that one was. Uh, Sydney Roosters, 26. South Sydney Rabbitohs, 16. And the big Sydney Derby then, almost 42,000 in attendance for that one. Fantastic crowd there uh, at that game. Great match as well, that one. New Zealand Warriors, 26. Gold Coast Titans, 27. St. George, Illawarra, 22. Brisbane Broncos, 12. North Queensland Cowboys, 38. Penrith Panthers, 8. Newcastle Knights, 16. Corolla Sharks, 38. And West Tigers, 10. Canberra Rays, 56. Yeah, the way I said that with the Penrith Panthers, you know, with a bit of an explanation, Matt. Great win for the Cowboys. Let's have a look at the league table and uh, see how it pans things out. So, Penrith are top. They've won 20 from 24. They've got 42 points. Corolla Sharks have got 38 points. North Queensland Cowboys, 36. They're the informed side, the Cowboys and the Sharks, to be honest with you. It's Parramatta with 34. Melbourne with 32. Sydney Roosters with 32. Sydney Rabbitohs with 30. And Canberra Raiders with 30. Wow, it's so tight there. Then 28 points is Brisbane Broncos, just outside the playoffs. St. George, Illawarra, 26. And there's a big gap then to Manly Seagulls. So the fixtures for this week, it's the finals week now. So we've got the playoff sides the Panthers, Sharks, Cowboys, Eels, Storm, Roosters, Rabbitohs, and Raiders are all in the playoffs. It's finals week this week, Friday, the 9th of September on Sky Telly, 10.50 Penrith Panthers play Parramatta Reels it should be an absolute cracker on Saturday, both these games are on Sky Telly 8.40, Melbourne Storm against Canberra Raiders and Cronulla Sharks 
face North Queensland Cowboys at 10.50. So if you've got a Salford game on Saturday, you can have a right belting day there. You can watch the two Aussie games first. Well, watch the first half, I suppose, of the Cronulla game. You have to get your uh, hot foot to uh, Huddersfield then. On Sunday, you can wake up early doors, 5 past 7. It's Sydney Roosters against South Sydney Rabbit. It was in a repeat of the league game last weekend in a playoff match. So, uh, so some cracking ties there to uh, get your teeth into this weekend. Right, finally this week, we'll have a look at what's been happening domestically in Super League. It was round 27, Huddersfield 16, Wakefield 14. That was after Golden Point extra time. A penalty goal there coming from, uh, I'm going to say Leon Price there. Um, what's his name now? <laughs> Price. Will Price, sorry, Will Price. I, I, I said Wayne Price, I think he's a winger at Castleford, yeah. Uh, Will Price uh, kicking the, the winning goal there for Huddersfield Giants. Hull FC 4, Hull Kingston Rovers 36. That game was played on Saturday, 17,000 there for that one. Big atmosphere, but a disappointment again for Hull FC. Leeds Rhinos, well, I think they were playing for a draw against Cass. It was nearly nil at half time, but they won 14 points to 8. Two tries in the last five minutes from uh, Cruz Lima and Aidan Caesar there. Salford, Red Devils 14, Warrington Wolves 32. Good crowd as well for Salford over 5,000 for that game, encouraging to see. St. Helens 36 to lose Olympics 16. That was played Saturday and on Friday night. Wigan Warriors beat Catalan Dragons by 48 points to 4. In the Betfred Championship round 26, Barrow Raiders 44, Dewsbury Rams 28. Batley Bulldogs continue their good form. They beat Barrow by 40 points to 12. London Broncos 6, Lee Centurions 58, Newcastle Thunder 18, York City Knights 24, Sheffield Eagles 18, Featherstone Rovers 30 and Workington Town 6, Whitehaven 28. In Betfred League 1, round 22, Doncaster 70, London Scholars 22, Midlands Hurricanes 42, Cornwall 26, North Wales Crusaders 12, Swinton 38, Oldham 30, Hunslet 18 and Rochdale Hornets 24, Keithley Cougars 56. So big win for Keithley. They finished top of the table, played 20, won 20. You can't argue with that. They're promoted to the championship, the playoffs. Swinton, North Wales, Crusaders, Doncaster, Rochdale, Hornets and Oldham. In the Betford, League, in the Betford Championship, sorry, Lee Centurion at the top, they finished five points clear of uh, Featherston Rovers. Well, they are at the moment. Um, then it's Halifax, Batley, Barrow and York making up the playoff places. A massive gap there to Sheffield, so those those sides will be in the, in the playoff race. Dewsbury Rams and Workington Town, both bottom of the table. I'm pretty sure they're both relegated now because a big gap to them. Uh, to Newcastle Thunder Super League St. Helens, Wigan, Huddersfield, Catalans, Leeds and Salford make up the playoff places Toulouse Olympic are relegated the fixtures for this week there was a game on Monday between Widnes and Halifax I'm not sure how that one finished up uh, Friday night the 9th of September the Super League Eliminators start Catalans face Leeds 8 o'clock kick off on the TV the loser of that one drops out Sheffield Eagles play Dewsbury in the Championship at 7.45 on Saturday 1 o'clock on uh, Channel 4 Huddersfield against Salford the loser of that one is out Betfred Championship Whitehaven play Newcastle Thunder at 3 on Sunday all these games are 3 o'clock in the Championship Bradford against Widnes Halifax against Featherstone Lee against Batley London against Barrow York City Knights against Workington Town the playoff start in Betfred League 1 on Sunday 3 o'clock North Wales Crusaders against Doncaster that's a qualifying playoff so uh, the loser of that one I think gets another bite of the cherry winner goes through to the next round uh, Betfred League 1 elimination playoff final between Rochdale Hornets and Oldham so the loser goes out of that one so that one's at Spotland at 3 o'clock that's all I've got for you this week can't wait for the action on uh, Saturday I'll see you at the John Smith Stadium I think they call it now 1 o'clock kickoff for Salford against Duddersfield enjoy your week enjoy your rugby league I'll see you Saturday so that was Whiteside's World of Rugby League and now we'll preview the big game against Huddersfield on Saturday. <laughs>
We talk about the Huddersfield game. The ladies are in action. They're away at Stanley. Um, win that, they win the title. Yeah, simple as, isn't it? That's the mission. Go and win that game. And I have every confidence in the way they're playing. I don't think they're going to be any denying them now. Massive game. And, and what a season it would be. It'd be the ice is on the cake, wouldn't it? So uh, let's just hope the fingers crossed they can, uh, they can get the job done. I'm sure they will. Yeah, they've faced Stanley, who in the last four games have won two and lost two. Tough at home, but obviously Chris Bates, ladies, they're in they're in the box seat. They're in good form, playing some good rugby. Hopefully they can get over the line and get in a good position, ready for the playoffs the week after. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's like the business end of the season now, isn't it? And it's been a, been a long season for them, hasn't it? You know, we've been testing. You know, when you're not full-time professionally, you're training twice a week and you've got your job and whatever to do as well. It's it's difficult, but there are a few more hurdles to go now. And I think that, that, I think Chris Bates will just approach it like Paul Rowley does. Takes each game as it comes. He, we've had him on the show, haven't we? He's got a rugby league brain. He knows what he's talking about. He lives and breathes the sport. And I'm sure he'll have the ladies in the prime position to go for the playoffs. Yeah, so let's talk about the game against Huddersfield. Away from home on Saturday, we lost... The, the away game earlier on in the season, 34 points to two. Paul, obviously looking back at that game, well, game it wasn't our greatest performance of the season. Do you think that has an effect on what happens on Saturday? No, I don't think so. We played them twice since then, haven't we? The Magic weekend, we were pretty unlucky in that game. I thought they had a good start and we came back and probably lacked a bit of composure and we could have won that game. So uh, I thought the game at Salford a few weeks ago, we, we, we blew them apart, didn't we, early doors? And it was the Miles better team. They never really looked like scoring. So I don't know. I've watched a bit of them recently. I do tend to keep my eye on other teams and that and, and read about stuff. And, you know, I've watched them closer when they've been on Sky, in the highlights. And they've, they've sort of flattered a bit, but not really hit the straps for me. And that's why I wasn't really worried about us playing Catalans or Huddersfield because watch both of them, they both seem a bit in and out of form at the moment, really. And Huddersfield, you know, they laboured to a win against Wakefield in, in Golden Point extra time. So they're not a side that's going to come out and sort of throw the ball around, I don't think. You know, watching them in the Challenge Cup final, they're the team that plays the percentages. Like you said, they'll pin you down. They, they, they work hard. They'll complete. And Sam Tonkin said they played boring. I don't think it's boring. I think it's more. there's more to it than that. But they're not as flamboyant as swashbuckling as Salford are. Mm. But they're going to be tough to break down. I think Ian Watson, you know, he'll have learned a lot from that defeat at Salford a few weeks ago. And he'll yeah. have them fired up. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Obviously, I watched the, the game back, the Huddersfield defeat at Huddersfield. And I thought the day we just couldn't deal with the size of that Huddersfield pack. Huddersfield kind of zigzags down the middle. Um, on, and then they get to like the fourth tackle, and then they, they make that decision whether will they score or will they want to put pressure on it. Put want to put pressure, they'll they'll kick us into a corner, and then we've got to get out. And that's going to be the big test for me, whether we can deal with them tactics. I thought as well because it was early doors in Brownley Ball at that point, so we weren't particularly flamboyant. We weren't really sort of attacking the edges. We we're more down the middle really in that particular game. So different style of play now which might open up a few gaps in that Huddersfield defence and also the the players are slightly different as well. No Sam Luckley, no Tim Laffey, no Tyra Derpery, no Alex Gerrard. So a few different faces in that team changes changes the whole uh, sort of line up and the whole what we can achieve. 
Yeah, I think so. I think we were, we were struggling to find our best best team then, weren't we, at that stage? And, and don't forget, Brodie Croft and Mark Steve was a very, very new halfback combination. It's a very settled one now. Uh, probably one of the best in the league. So I think the moment the team's playing with confidence and a lot of confidence as well and a lot of flair uh, and results have, have, have come, haven't they? So I don't think they're frightened of anybody. I think they know they can, they can beat anybody on the day now. That's a totally different side to what played. I think it was back in February that March. It was it was early doors in the season. I remember it being pretty cold that day. Um, so yeah, thirty-four-two. I think we got beat. We was well beat. We was well beat by Huddersfield. But like you said, and I agree with you. And I think the week before, I think we around that time we lost at Hull quite heavily as well. And I think we were beaten in the forwards definitely against Huddersfield. I remember Chris Hill playing against us that day, and they trampled all over us. And it was like men against boys, wasn't it? And we've adapted. We're a totally different side now. And, and, and we proved that when we played Huddersfield at Magic, I thought we was, we was a lot closer to and then we battered him at Salford a few weeks ago, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and I think we could do the same again. I really do. But I think they're going to be fired up. I think they're going to be really fired up for it. Like I said before, Ian Watson, that defeat at Salford would have hurt him and, and he'll have them ready for us. It's a big opportunity for them in the playoffs as well. They want to do well in front of the home crowd. So there's an awful lot on this game. There really is. It's going to be a it's going to be a cracker. I think it's going to be a belting match. Yeah, Ryan Lannan got put in the bin. He was in the middle of that phase where you just have to look at someone. He got sim bin, so he got put in the sim <laughs> bin. But I think it's I think it's just edge defence. If 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 we can, if it's like of, of Shane Wright, Elijah Taylor, you know, players like that who are going to be on the edges and make the tackles because they'll come down that line and it'll be interesting to see if they can absorb for eighty minutes. Yeah, and I think they've got some conundrums themselves. I mean, they've got three players there in their halfback. Something they've got Theo Farge, Oliver Russell, and Will Price. And three doesn't go into two, so they're going to have to drop one of those. One's going to drop out. So I think it's whether Ian Watson plays Russell and Farge, or he brings he brings Will Price back in. I know Will Price played last week. I think he get the penalty goal against Wakefield, and he adds that bit of an X factor. But for me, he's one of those players that's not got loads of experience. You can wind him up a bit. We could get drawn into that, um, or do you go the safe option with with, with Farge and, and Russell? So, and they've got some good players. You've got Chris McQueen. It always seems to score against us. You've got to watch him. But I think they've got some aging players as well. They're like Sakudjo, McGilvery. The players that are knocking on a bit now. They've been around a while, aren't they? So they've got a lot of experience. But have they got that speed that we've got? We move that ball out wide. There's not many teams can can live with us. You know, that's a Dion Cross and Tim Lafayette. They pick themselves every week in the centres. Your, your wingers as well, if you go Burgess and Seal or, or Reese Williams, there's, there's pace out there. So I, I think we've got lots of points in us. Uh, but it's going to be tough. I think Huddersfield are going to want to mix it, aren't they, and, and, and get that big pack rolling forward. We've got to stand up to that. Yeah, pitch is quite narrow as well. Similar size to Castleford's width-wise. So if we could put 50 on Castleford. Is it really? I mean, I, I didn't know that, Robert. I presume that would be a really big pitch with it being a football pitch. Huddersfield Town playing on it. I think, but, uh, off the top of my head, there's 10, I think it's 10 metres difference between ours and theirs width-wise. Width-wise, wow. So you're, you're condensing it in. So the problem is, we've got pace out wide, but out wide's not very far wide. Mm. I know, I was looking at Casper's pitch, and I've known this for a long time, it's very short pitch there. Mm. I know they have the markings, don't they? The, the sort of 10, 10 metre, like, uh, whatever they are. There's no way there's 10 metres between each mark in there. There's about seven, I think, because that is a really short pitch. But I didn't know that about Huddersfield. I presume that would be like a, 
a nice wide uh, football, lush no, no. football pitch. That well, a decent pitch though. Yeah, yeah. The football team playing on it. I think uh, they, they tend to have big in goal areas there and all, don't they? So that can can narrow it down a bit, uh, a bit as well. But no, I think we can score fifty at Cass. I'm not saying we can score fifty at Huddersfield, but I think <laughs> we can score points. I think I think we've got points and we've got confidence in us. I think like I think you use this quite a lot. You've got to play the game and not the occasion. That's one of yours, isn't it? And I think that's one for this week. There's going to be a lot of emotion in this game. Huddersfield's got a few ex-Salford players. They're going to want, you know, get one over us. So we've not got to get drawn into that. You know, we, you know, Paul Rowley likes to mix it as well, doesn't he? And I know Watto does. So it's going to be emotions on the game. It's going to be it's a playoff intensity. There's going to be some headshots going in, and we've just got to keep our nerve, haven't we? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous thinking about it, to be honest with you. I'm going to steal Matt Drinkwalker's and Megan Cunliffe's quote of, it's not 80 minutes, it's 80 moments. And if Salford can have more positive moments than others field, we win the game. Yeah, I've never heard that one before. Stealing yeah, it. That, 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 that's, yeah, you steal it. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's a good one, Matt. It is, it's about, the playoffs, is it? It's about composure, isn't it? composure and, and just doing things right at the right time, not snatching at chances, because there'll be chances that will come along and you've not got to snatch it and you've got to take your time, build pressure and, and just take those those perfect chances when they come. And I think we will, I'm confident, I'm just nervous because it's knockout and yeah, it's, I don't know, I get nervous and stuff like that. I've been thinking about it all week, but, mm. but no, I, I don't think I should be nervous because we, I trust the players and you've got to trust, I was nervous at Cass, mm. I was nervous at Cass the other week and then they come out and score 20 points in the first 12 minutes or something and absolutely blew Casper away. So I'm not so sure it's going to be that good, but I don't know. I'll wait and see. you got to trust the process. Uh, Paul, that's that's what it is. I think that's what has got us here so far. So yeah. why are we doing any different on on Saturday, obviously, Ian Watson. The Ian Watson effect, obviously, leaving us to go to Huddersfield in search for bigger and better things. What a story it would be if he knocked him out. Yeah, I'd like that. I'd like us to, to beat Huddersfield. Not that I've got a grudge against Ian Watson or anything like that, but I'd like us to win and and, and probably put a few wrongs right, really. And yeah, players have, have like, there's been players as well, you know, that have gone on, you know, two dollar here went, not having a pop at them. They, they've probably gone on to to sort of bear themselves, as they say. And uh, if we can go and knock them out, I think it was funny at Casford last week, I'd like some Daryl Alperts there, George Griffin, Nia Levels. We've all gone thinking maybe Cass was a bit of a step up and we go there and put 50 points. And that's no way I'm going to go at nine levels because I think he was a model professional at Salford. So obviously he wanted to try his hand somewhere else and you know, I feel for him because he's had real bad injuries. But but yeah, it's not always greener. And it'd be nice for us to, to put this field out in their own backyard. Yeah. Prediction time. Paul, first we'll, we'll talk about the prediction league. Park is not here at the moment. Are we on his coattails or is he gone? He's, oh, the one on Facebook. He was still top, but he's not far in front of my dad. My dad's about 20 points behind him. Oh. They've been like the top two all season. Them and Barry Jones as well, another Salford supporter. They've dominated it. There's a lot of Featherstone supporters, Cat supporters, a few old supporters in it. Some other Yorkshire supporters, a lad from London. There's about 20 of us in it, I think, or 25 of us. But the, the Salford three have been top. And then Muggins has been in the top 10. I've been in the top 10, but I think I'm about six now. I've had a few good weeks, but I'm too far behind to get involved in the, the sort of running. So I think it's between my dad and Parker. Has your dad, did your dad put it in, his predictions, before he went away? No, we've not received him yet. Andy, who does it, normally texts him to us. He'll, he'll screen 
the sort of Facebook messages and we fill them in and send them. So I've not sent them yet. But it's funny because it, it's weird. This every week I'll do my predictions. Won't tell me that. Then I'll send me his at night time and I'll, I'll fill him in while I'm having my tea. And I look at him. And nine times out of ten, his sulfur prediction is exactly the same as mine. And it, it's like it's like telepathy. I phone him and go, "If you put the same score as what I've just put, and it's, and you'll go through the rest of them, and there'll be about three or four scores of matches, and they'll be the same as what I've said." Wow. So it's, but I was E third, like second, and I'm ten. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose you are related, so you might have that. Toshak and Keegan yeah. kind of connection. It's the Aussie games. He's really good at the Aussie games. He can yeah. he can get them. He's That's really good at the Aussie games. I, I just guess them. Maybe focus. when you're making these predictions, perhaps you just need to like close your eyes and focus on it and just what is my dad seeing here on his sheet and then just copy it. Like you know when they draw in the circles and squares. Yeah. That's what you do. I need to, I've not got as much time as parking me down. I think they sit there studying the form only all day. I just make it up as I go along. <laughs> so prediction time. What's what? What do you think is going to happen Saturday? Twenty nine sixteen. Twenty nine sixteen. And what's your story behind that? Dion Cross is going to get two. Mm-hmm. Mark Steele will drop a goal late on to make it safe. My prediction for the match on Saturday. Salford will win 18-10. Two tries from Brodie Croft. Wow. That's a, a low score for you. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight. I think, obviously, playoff rugby, in it? It's, it's all, everything is condensed down, in it? It's all about making that tackle or making them metres and and it's different pressure in it. Pressure just ramps up, doesn't it? So I don't think we're going to be as free flowing. Just you know, because what it is, even though the players probably will try and shut that out of the mind, when you walk out onto that pitch orders field and there's four thousand soul fans in that stand behind the goal going mad, you know, it's, it might it might weigh on your mind a little bit. But you know, opportunity is is here. I do say pressure is a privilege and that is why you've earned the right to be in the playoffs with the, the, the performances you've put in so far this season so it's just a matter of well I'd say finding that next level but we've been playing at playoff the last eight weeks so really it's just about staying at that playoff level and winning the game Definitely I was thinking about the weather as well because it's going to rain I think and it's funny because I was talking to Phil Kinsella on Saturday and he messaged me in the week saying, and I knew what he was getting at. He sent me a message saying, when was the last time Salford won in the rain? <laughs> so I thought, is he trying to say Salford would drive out? And he wasn't because we had this chat. And he said, I said, well, every game this season, it's been a really nice summer. And every game we've been to since we did a sunny and warm day. And he said, well, do you think they'll be able to play if, if it rains? Or they just, you know, is it, is it firm ground? I said, well, Beat Toulouse, and it was an absolute monsoon at Salford. It did. So it sort of yep. put that argument to bed straight away. But no, I th- I think we, we would. I, th- I don't think we'd... Obviously, you wouldn't be able to play that sort of rollerball, would you? You'd have to... Oh, you could, but would it be di- more difficult if it did chuck it down? Or I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just summer sport now, anyway, and it's supposed to be dry grounds and all that. That's why Sailors always win the league, don't they? So uh, it was just a funny conversation, that's all. But no, I think... To lose, yeah, beat them. Um, yeah, we lost at Leeds and it was dead sunny, wasn't it, a few weeks ago? So, I don't know. Need to do a bit. make sure no one's doing it, no rain dancing, uh, and we'll be all right. 
really. Yeah, I think it's a bit cooler, isn't it, on Saturday? It's not like the blistering hot temperatures we've had recently, but mm. we've, we've done well in the hot weather, haven't we, in Catalans and the Huddersfield game at home. It's It's been a good, it's been a glorious summer, really, hasn't it, for, yeah. uh, for Mac? It's, every week we seem to have been to a game and it, it's been glorious sunshine and, and really hot temperatures. So, uh, so, yeah, make a change if it's a bit cooler. Yeah. So that's the end of this week's uh, podcast. Paul, another great show. Yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. Looking forward to Saturday. Brilliant. Big thanks for tuning in this week. This week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkinson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. See you soon.